go ahead and make your way to the book of Hebrews, and specifically chapter 10. I love the book of Hebrews because all it does is show how Jesus is better. Jesus better than angels. Jesus better than Moses. Jesus better as a high priest. Jesus a better sacrifice. And it also affirms that God is a coffee drinker. So if you're against coffee, you're against Scripture, and I'll see you at the altar a little bit later on tonight. But in all seriousness, are you ready for the Word tonight? Hebrews chapter 10, and we're going to start in verse 11, and God's Word says, And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us for after, saying, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that He opened for us through the curtain, that is, through His flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let's pray one more time. Jesus, we thank you for taking a stand against our sin so that we could along with you sit under the cover of grace. We ask that you anoint this time of teaching in your name. Amen. For the next few moments that we have together, I want to show you some things from the subject, Be Therefore. I know it's a strange title, but it'll make sense before we get to the end of tonight's message. Most of the time, an argument or a case that is made for something is only as strong as the actuality of facts or reality of events that it's built upon. So in an effort to make our argument or our case over something, whatever it may be, as strong as we can, we will build into it as many layers as possible to add to the validity of our point. Now, I know I'm going to get in trouble for this next part, but we're going for it anyway. That's why us men have such a hard time winning an argument with you women. Because no matter what it's over, you ladies will go to, well, I remember eight years ago when you did this, which led to that, and then that, which then caused this. Like I said, layers to the argument. Now, I know I'll pay for that one a little bit later. And that's fine. I'm willing to take that because I think it accentuates the point tonight. You ladies are great at accentuating and adding layers to your argument. And you will go back as many years as you have to to point out something specific that may not even be relatable to what's going on in this moment. Now, I'm not kidding, like, I'm going to get so much trouble. I should just stop it right now, but, like, it's the simplest of things. I could walk in the kitchen and say, hey, to Ashley, and she could drop a piece of butter out of the refrigerator, and she's like, 
I swear, six years ago, you came in and you did that very same thing, and that's why I ended up dropping that butter because you made me gunshot because you're constantly sneaking up on me and doing all this other stuff. Layers and layers and layers to the argument. You guys know how it is, especially within the context of a marriage relationship, but the writer of Hebrews, he's going to be giving these believers some strong exhortations or encouragements, if you like that word better. But in order to do so, he builds them on the foundation of Jesus and what he has done. So, in other words, the writer knows, I'm about to put it on you pretty thick, but I'm going to layer it on the foundation of Jesus so you can see it's because of Christ that I'm giving you these exhortations. That's why, even though it's not our focus passage, we had to get verses 11 through 18. A moment ago, and I want to read it again just so you can hear it one more time. It says, Every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices. So the writer's referencing back to the Old Testament times when this is what had to be done for the removal of sins, which can never take away sins adequately. It was just a shadow of what was to come. He says in verse 12, But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness, witness to us. For after saying, This is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. And he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Aren't you thankful that God through His Son, Jesus, chose because of His sacrifice to remember our sins no more? Where are my saints at in the room tonight that are thankful that through Christ's sacrifice, which was perfect, so there no longer has to be this cycle of sacrifice, repeat, sacrifice, repeat, sacrifice, repeat, because Jesus went to the cross and finished it once and for all. And now God in His sovereignty somehow chooses to never again remember our sins. Aren't you thankful for that? It's worth praising. It's worth celebrating. Now I'm going to ask you saints to give me a few moments to speak to the people in the room who didn't celebrate like you did. Now, I said didn't. I didn't say can't. Because there's hope. And the gospel is so beautifully written as such that God looked down upon us in our sin and our rebellion that we chose to say we can do it better, we can do it our own way. And God in His love and His grace had a plan in place from the foundation of the earth to send His Son, Jesus, to be the perfect sacrifice for our sins, to come to this earth to live a perfect and sinless life, to die as a sacrificial death, the only one that was sufficient for us on the cross, so that if we would confess Him as Lord, believe in our heart, God raised Him from the dead, He would save those who come to Him. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how far you think you are. I don't care how nasty you think you've gotten. God in His grace will wash you clean. That's why we praise. That's why we celebrate. And if you're sitting in this place tonight and you've never given your heart and your soul to Jesus to be redeemed and restored and you can't celebrate in your heart like these saints did a few moments ago and like they did throughout the worship service, don't leave here tonight. 
Remember, I said you didn't, but I didn't say you can't. Salvation is free to all who will come. There is no partiality. God has not looked down and decided, hey, it's for this person, but it's not for you. Too, too dirty. Ooh. Oh, there's one. I can get him. Let's see who we got. Oh, ooh, golly. If people knew, whew, not in my kingdom. It's not the case. One drop of Jesus' blood covers a multitude of sins. Don't leave this place tonight without Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. So, that's what the writer of Hebrews is building upon. And I need you to keep that in mind throughout our time together tonight. So now when we come to verse 19, we see that word, therefore. We know everything coming up is because of Jesus. As a matter of fact, the word therefore, by definition, means for that reason. So, since Jesus offered himself as a sacrifice and died for our sins and resurrected to restore our relationship with God, giving us confidence, therefore, for that reason, here come your exhortations. Number one, draw near. So, because of all that Jesus has done, draw near. Go back and look at verse 22. He says, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. What Jesus accomplished through his death and resurrection made available a personal, intimate relationship with the Father, a closeness that man hadn't experienced since Eden. Through him we have confidence to enter into the holy places, which is a miracle in and of itself. You do realize that, right? We now have confidence, the writer of Hebrews says, through Christ to enter into the holy places. But I don't know if y'all realize it or not, but this ain't holy. This is the farthest thing from holiness. But because of Christ and His sacrifice and the covering of His blood, I have been made holy. Now with confidence, I can enter into the presence of God because I'm covered with the blood of my Savior. When you declare Jesus as Lord, He removes your sin, and now with full assurance you can draw near to God. But you need to notice how the writer frames up this encouragement. It's a call to action. He says, let us draw near. He's calling them to take action in this way, which tells me that what Jesus has made available to, we don't always take advantage of. These believers were being called to draw near to God. So I have to ask us all the question, how near are you to God right now? Are you walking with Him and hearing from Him? Is your relationship intimate or intermittent? How close are you to God right now? What's your walk look like? How near to Him are you? And, you know, you may say, well, I'm pretty near. I mean, I'm here tonight, right? I make, I make the effort. I go to worship from time to time. I spend time in the Word. And I even spend some time in prayer here and there. So, you know, I'm, I'm pretty near to Jesus, I would consider. We need to stop measuring nearness by proximity. Here's what I mean by that. You can get next to God in proximity, but be nowhere near God personally. Let's look at Judas. Nearness is shown not by proximity, but by posture. 
I'm going to show you where I got that. Not just for the sake of it sounds good and trying to fit words together. Because I believe that's what God teaches us through his word. Nearness is shown not by proximity, but by posture. That's why the writer says, let us draw near with a true heart. Listen, a true heart to God is submissive towards God. It's about posture. If you want to get near to God, change your posture to one of submissiveness. It's funny because we enter with confidence. but we do so in a posture of submissiveness. And through that, we can draw near to God. Jesus didn't, man, I, lo I love this word tonight because, listen, if y'all weren't here tonight, I could preach this to me 100%. So y'all wouldn't even have to be here tonight. This is all for me. Jesus didn't leave glory to come to this earth and take on and die for our sins, to be beaten, to be shamed, to be mocked, to be ridiculed, to be humiliated as a public spectacle, to be spit upon, to be scorned, to be made fun of, to hang publicly on a cross and ultimately die for our sins so that we could live at a distance from Him. He didn't go through all that so we could live at a distance. He did it because He desires for us to draw near. Listen, He loves you. He forgave you. He restored you. He pursued you. He adopted you. He redeemed you. He washed you. He freed you. He called you. Therefore, for that reason, draw near to Him. What more reasons could we need to want to draw near to our loving Father through His Son, Jesus? I'm sorry, but someone who did all that for my nasty self, I want to be as close to them as I possibly can be. No one's ever loved me like Jesus has. Draw near to Him, but also hold fast. Here's your second exhortation. Go back to the text and look at verse 23. The writer continues. He says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for He who promised is faithful. Once again, because of what Jesus has done, therefore, for that reason, hold fast to your hope without wavering. Wavering. Now, it's so important that through the midst of these you keep this mindset that all of this is because of what Christ has done. So because of what Jesus has done, I draw near. Because of what Jesus has done, I hold fast. That term hold fast, it can mean a couple of different things. It can mean to hold tightly or to secure firmly to. But it can also be used as a war term. To bear down and stay the course. In the midst of battle. So on the one hand, as believers, we need to hold to and secure firmly ourselves to the hope that we have. Some of you struggle and you battle with dealing with the situations and circumstances of this world quite simply because you have yourself secured to the wrong things. Secure yourself to God. Can secure yourself to Jesus and the hope that we have in His name. But on the other hand, we have to bear down in hope and stay the course because our enemy is in a war against hope. That's why the writer says, hold fast without wavering. Have you ever been around someone whose wear causes them to waver? Let me explain that a little bit more. What I mean by that is depending on where they're at, it can cause them to waver in what they believe. You ever been around someone like that? Their convictions change as where they are changes. So the situations or the circumstances, the wear of their situations and their circumstances in this life 
may change from time to time and they will change from time to time. And you see in that person that as those things change, as their wear changes, they begin to waver a little bit in the hope that they have. It could change in the sense of the people that they're around. Man, are we not all guilty of this to some extent? It's funny because God's Word is never more true in the sense that it teaches us we take on the character of the company we keep. So a lot of people, their wear may change in who they're around. And as that changes, their convictions begin to change. What they believe begins to change. The things that they stand up for begins to change. But listen, men and women of God, because of what Jesus has done, our wear should not cause us to waver. So my wear could be sitting in chemo treatments, but I don't have to waver. My wear could be hurting from a miscarriage, but I don't have to waver. My wear could be battling a rebellious child, but I don't have to waver. My wear could be with friends who are turning their backs day by day, one by one on God, but I don't have to waver. My wear could be on a college campus filled with professors and students that are set against God and His Word, but I don't have to waver. My wear could be stooped in depression, but I don't have to waver. Why second half of the verse? Because He who promised is faithful. We hold fast our confession of hope without wavering because our God is unwavering. Listen, our world's full of wavering right now. Would you agree? CDC guidelines constantly waver. People waver over the vaccine. Schools waver over mask mandates. Media wavers on what's Factual, the world doesn't need to see a church that wavers on its confession of hope. They need to see a church. They need to see a people who hold fast. We hold hope. But listen, we don't hoard hope. May we never be guilty of that. May we as a people, may we as Underwood Baptist Church not be guilty of being Hope hoarders. We hold fast to it, but we don't hoard it up. We share it with the world around us. And I believe there are some people here tonight who the devil's not your grip loose lately. Jesus has fought and won to keep hope alive, that we can have hope in his name. And some of you might have had your grip loosened lately but because of what Christ has done therefore for that reason hold fast don't waver hold fast don't waver hold fast don't waver here comes your third exhortation because of what Christ has done we draw near we hold fast then we stir up. Look at verse 24. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So as the writer gives his final encouragement in this passage, he calls the people to, once again, in light of what Jesus has done, stir up one another to love and good works. How would it do that? Well, he gives us the secret through deep and thoughtful consideration. Listen, I don't, I don't 
feel like I've ever heard this taught much in my life. I don't feel like it's been brought to the forefront, but part of a godly mindset should involve us thinking about ways to stir one another in the gospel action. And that's hard for us to do because we're selfish to our core. And so, so much of our mindset is spent on ourselves. But the writer of Hebrews is encouraging these believers to sit down and actually have like a deep thought. You know, you think of like the statue where it's just like, sit down and give deep thought to how you can stir your brothers and sisters up to gospel action. So many of us have our minds dominated by senseless, pointless things. What if we became disciplined to the point to where you had some free time, you kicked back in your chair, and you gave deep thought to how I can call a brother and stir him up to gospel action? How would that change the landscape of a church? How would that change the landscape of a community, of a city, of a country even? But I'm afraid, though, that instead of stirring up to love and good, we too often stir up with lies and gossip in our thoughts and in our actions. Our thoughts are not set towards how can I stir my brother or sister up to love and good works. It's how can I stir up the mud in their life? Mainly because I'm afraid that somebody found a piece of my dirt. Listen, that has no place amongst God's people. I'm so tired of us stirring each other up for the wrong reasons. Let's start stirring each other up for love and service that comes through gospel action. Because when that happens, when we stir each other up in the wrong sense, as a result, sometimes we have more stifling in the house of God than stirring. And I'm talking about not just a stifling of God's people, but a stifling of the Spirit. You think it doesn't quench the Spirit when we stir each other up with the wrong motives? Absolutely it does. Jesus has set me free from sin and self. He's given me a calling and a purpose in His kingdom work. I've seen Him move. I've seen Him work. I've seen Him transform lives. And as that stirs me up, I should stir others up when we come together. We were standing in the kitchen the other night, and I was, I was going to cook something, which I do from time to time, not very often. But I was boiling some water, and I just got in a trance, like watching the water boil. For no apparent reason. I was standing there looking at this water, and it's starting to heat up, and the bubbles are on the bottom. Uh, of the bowl. Watch this next time if you want to. And as they began to come up, they would get up on the surface and they would just begin to like dance around the surface, like just erratically. And something about that just entranced me. I'm just staring at these bubbles and the more that would come up, the more they would dance around. It's kind of just erratic all over the place. And as more and more came to the surface, they eventually began to bump into each other. And as they would bump into each other, you know what would happen? They would stick. And so two or three bubbles would bump together, they'd get stuck, and they would bump into another one. So two and three becomes five and six, becomes ten and twelve, until all of a sudden the entire top of the bowl is what? Foaming with bubbles. Oh my goodness, can we do this in the house of God? Can we stir each other up to that kind of action to where I get on fire for the things of God in my life and I begin to stir around on top and I bump into another brother, I bump into another sister and we get stirred up about the things of God together and then we start bumping into more people and the next thing you know, the entire house of God is foaming at the doors with gospel action because we're stirring each other up. It's a simple, dumb thing, standing there watching boiling water. It's amazing how God can speak to you. Every one of us, I've been convicted of this here lately, every one of us should have a back of a brother or a sister in Christ that we have our hand to pushing up on. 
Go serve. Go share the gospel. Go be a witness. Go lead that small group. Go impact your family. Every single one of us should have a back that we have our hands to pushing up in gospel action. Look at what Jesus has done. Therefore, for that reason, draw near, hold fast, and stir up. And as I studied over the week, I thought that was all God wanted me to see. Then he took me a little further, letting me know he had a few more layers to add on because that's not all of the therefores. So in Hebrews chapter 10, in verse 35, God's word says, Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. You have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay, but my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. And God began to take me to these next steps. He said, Trey, I want you to tell them this. I want you to tell them to be there for one another. Be there for one another. As the writer of Hebrews gives this next therefore later on in the chapter, he wants them to realize these aren't easy times that we live in. Listen, these aren't easy times that we live in. Our pastor talked about that this morning. They're not easy now. They're not going to get easier. It's only going to get tougher, but God did not call us to be cowards. Did you realize that? There's no room in heaven for cowards. God takes His Word very seriously and the testimony and the proclamation of His gospel very seriously. But that's why He gave us community. You know why? It's much easier to live courageous, surrounded by community. We need to be there for one another so that we don't shrink back. We need to lock arms together so that we don't give in because it's going to get hotter. And we have to be there for one another. But then he moves on. On down to Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. You see it again. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. Be there for your race. Be there for your race. When we accept Jesus as our Savior, He enters us into a faith race, one that we run for His glory by carrying His grace. And my fear for some of you is that you're missing your race. You've gotten distracted by something or sin has entangled you and ensnared you and your opportunity to run well is passing you by. And as a leader, as an encourager, that breaks my heart when I see that happening in the lives of other believers. Our life is but a vapor, it's a mist, it's here one minute and it's gone the next. And God through His Word encourages this writer to say, Therefore, run your race. Be there for your race, don't miss out. Wake up. Be there for your race that God has set before you so that you can run it well and so that it doesn't pass you by. But then he goes on even further in Hebrews chapter 12. And in verse 12 we see it again, Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. And make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone, 
for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the gospel. And I feel like God told me to tell you, try to tell them to be there for the gospel. The, the writer says, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. That's the gospel. You see that right there, right? That is the gospel message. And the writer understands we all get tired. We all get weary. We all get beat down. How many of you came into this place tonight just beat down and worn out from life itself? I did. And the writer understands that, but people need Jesus. So at your job, be there for the gospel. On your campus, be there for the gospel. In your family, be there for the gospel. At the gym, be there for the gospel. In your neighborhoods, be there for the gospel. It's why He has you in that place. So be there for His gospel amongst the people He has placed you around. And then one last one. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and offer. Our God is a consuming fire. Be there for the glory of God. With the fullness of our lives, let they be for the glory of God. So that His consuming fire may spread through our worship and our praise and our adoration for Him. And the places that God has you, be there for His glory. If we're, if we're not going to draw near, if we're not going to hold fast, if we're not going to stir up, if when it's all said and done, we're not going to be there for one another, we're not going to be there for our race, we're not going to be there for the gospel, we're not going to be there for God's glory, then what are we here for you know ever since our church blessed us with the blessing of this facility you know me and Matt we spent a lot of our time over here and we're just a couple of simpletons we're not anything special we're not anything great and we've added a lot of great things to this facility on top of what was already given to us. But one thing I feel like we've both always been adamant about having is a cross. Listen. Jesus died there for us to live here. Therefore, for that reason, for the reason of Jesus, I'm going to draw near. I'm going to hold fast. I'm going to stir up. Because of that reason, I'm going to be there for you guys. I'm going to make sure I run my race. I'm going to be there in the places that God has me for the gospel. What he's given me to do, what he's entrusted me to, I'll be right here for the gospel. You college people that are in the room tonight, every Wednesday night, I'll be here for the gospel. You're going to see me on your campus for the gospel. 
I'm going to be at the gym that I work out right down the road from here for the gospel. In the midst of my family with my son, who me and Ashley are learning how to raise as we go, I'm going to be there for the gospel in his life. And then I'm going to be there for God's glory. What about you, church? What's your response going to be? Are you going to draw near? Are you going to hold fast? The good thing about a loose grip always be tightened back up. Are you going to stir up one another? Are you going to be there for your brothers and sisters? Are you going to run your race and not let it pass you by? Are you going to be there for the gospel in the places where God has put you? Are you going to live for His glory? Hey, this is Trey Mitchell, college and young adult pastor. I just wanted to say thank you for listening. It's our prayer that God uses these messages in a way that challenge and encourage you to live for His glory. If you've never placed your faith in Jesus as your Savior, we would love to help you with making that decision. Just reach out to us through our webpage at underwoodbaptist.org. Be sure to check back in with us next week as we again encounter God through His Word here at Life.